and welcome to the final episode 10 of season 2 of the 361 Degrees podcast. My name is Ben Smith from Wireless Worker. I'm Rafe Blanford from the All About Sites. I'm Ewan McLeod from Mobile Industry Review. H- happy Valentine's Day, lads. Well, you're very kind. Happy Absolutely, Valentine's Day. It's a, a week, the, the, a week of a week of love. Uh, Mr. McLeod was Mrs. McLeod duly impressed with obviously the flowers and gifts that you uh, you showered her with. Uh, we didn't do that. Oh, well, we just we're, we're pregnant, right? You know, we're we're looking, we're about to give birth. Well, she's about to give birth. Uh, the due date is uh, this week. So we really, uh, yeah, we acknowledged it, but the focus the focus was uh, elsewhere. And uh, Rafe Blanford, is there anyone in your life that you'd like to FaceTime for a really, really long time? I couldn't possibly comment. Oh, okay, so there, there was no no young person <laughs> re- receiving uh, you know lavishing gifts upon this this year. You might think that, but I, I couldn't possibly comment. That's it. Okay. He's quoting the House of Cards. Uh, <laughs> and 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 uh, Mr. McLeod, you you, uh, you you reference the fact that there's some big news pending. We the the beginning of this um the beginning of this podcast was delayed because of the possible arrival of your second child. That's right. We're um we right now. My wife is um having an early stage contractions. I think early. That's what she reckons. So um we now have a insert. You know, if you could just insert the son or daughter bit later on. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and so break, breaking news, even to recording go. this, McLeod could be coming a father for a second time. There we go. Uh, and uh, Mr. Blanford, uh, you metaphorically gave birth this week, didn't you? <laughs> yes, that's right. Not quite the same scale, I feel, but uh, I published my uh, first app for Windows Phone so that you can get all the content from all about Windows Phone on your smartphone device. You've been nurturing that now for some time. It has, yes. Yeah, not quite as long a gestation period as uh, Mrs. McLeod, I fancy, but uh, it has been quite a lot of work to get it there. <laughs> An equal amount of moaning and groaning, though. Uh, I, that, I think, is inadvisable to comment on as well. Good man. <laughs> Bingo. Right. Well, that's that, that's upset nearly all of the listeners who like you both. Um, so this week we are talking... And I'm fine, by the way. Thank you for asking. How was Mrs. Smith? Mrs. Smith received a lavish gift and was duly very impressed. Did she and get an iPad? Uh, no, she didn't. But there again, she wouldn't Kindle? be impressed. No, she wouldn't be impressed with that kind of messing anyway. She demands she demands a, a nice dinner that I cooked and flowers. So oh, uh, right. very impressive. So she was half disappointed. <laughs> uh, from from all this levity, we are going to be talking about um, patents this week. Uh, it's kind of topic of the moment, but it's been topic of the moment for an awfully long time, hasn't it? Because well, Rafe, as far as I can tell, everyone is suing everyone else, and it is almost a mystery to me why, because I just don't understand why in the mobile industry this seems to be happening all the time, and, and it's even making the papers, and yet it doesn't seem to happen in, in other technology industries. I think that that's a fair comment. I mean, there are patent disputes elsewhere, but um, certainly not in the same way as you tend to get in the technology space, and mobile is particularly bad. I mean, I think you can judge that by the number of dedicated mobile patent blogs that there are. You know, there's always someone talking about it, and I, a day goes by when you don't get one and you're relieved. My personal feeling on this is that uh, technology and mobile, it's mainly related to software patents, which are a very controversial issue of their own accord. And mobile is a particularly competitive space. And the reason you buy one mobile phone over another is generally some kind of differentiation. And that differentiation comes from innovation of, of some kind. And generally, that's what patents are looking to protect. 
hence it becomes something that's a, a critical area to protect from a business sense. Thus, we get all these disputes in a very simplified form. And and right and Ewan, do you do you think actually that the products that are on offer on the market now really are that differentiated? Because it feels to me like um, you know, if I look at the range of handsets available on the shelves, this is the first time in a long time where I'm seeing really lack of a lack of innovation or rather a lack of differentiation because everything looks the same well this is the problem right and and that is why it's rather frustrating reading about all the money being wasted all the time effort um, and cash being wasted on suing these companies suing each other and if you walk into a, a mobile phone shop at the minute in the west what what is there other than iphone android windows barler but what What's new? What's different? I mean, what's the best possible handset you can own today? It's the same answer as it was, you know, what, last year, right? I mean, the, the, I'm quite excited about Windows Phone coming along and things like that. And there are some... Well, that's different. Are... Obviously, that is different. But, I mean, where, where, where's the... Why, why right. this obsession over, over the, um, you know, the swiping? Um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the swiping to open a phone. Why is this... You know, uh, why are people screaming at each other because you know somebody claimed to have invented swiping? Can't can we innovate? Can't we see new stuff? Can't these companies prompt themselves to push, push the envelope? Well, this is this is really um, timely because this is this is news that's come out sort of this week where um, Motorola have been dinged by the courts for having handsets that have a you know left to right swipe, uh, and that apparently infringes Apple's patent. But apparently the handsets where you have to draw a circle to unlock doesn't. And I mean, Rafe, I just don't, I don't fathom why that is even patentable, excuse me. I thought the patents were about protecting, you know, genuinely new solutions that you'd had to sort of put lots of effort and money into researching and developing, not just taking kind of a very simple interaction and, you know, that, well, frankly, has existed before it was associated with locking phones. You know, there's that there's that famous picture that gets posted around often about the you know the deadbolt, which it's a you know slide to unlock on a physical door. Um, you know, it, should this stuff even be patented in the first place? Uh, yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. It is very obvious, and I think this is the whole debate around software patents is often about obviousness and prior art and all that sort of thing that that comes in. The one thing we have to be careful of is lumping all of those kind of things together. And, and like anything, it's kind of a continuum. There are th some things that quite clearly should be painted and are innovative and deserve protection, which ultimately is what patents are about. And it's, you know, the benefits of public disclosure, the economic benefit, you know, the law, etc., etc., all the normal things we have with patents. But I do feel that on some things, and Slide to Unlock is a pretty good example, is that actually you end up hindering the research and development because you put so much of the costs into this this stuff which is defensible and when it's having products taken off the shelf you're taking choice away from consumers so in that sense i mean i do see there are areas where the patent system is broken i'm not one of these people who wants to get rid of it altogether um, and i think if we want to get into a deep debate on on patents we probably could do but I think the issue for me is there are things that are quite clearly impacting on consumers and manufacturers which aren't the most efficient and frictionless way to do things. And ultimately, that's what patents were trying to do. You know, They were trying to encourage innovation by making it defensible, but also disclosing things. And with software, 
you know, it's a system that doesn't fit the purpose. Now, now patents, I mean, it can get pretty tricky and, and, and technical and legal. And I, I'm not interested in having that conversation because, frankly, we're, none of us are lawyers and I don't reckon many of our listeners are as well. But um, right now, it strikes me that, as you say, products are getting taken off shelves and um, all the big players appear to be suing each other for telephone number amounts of money for uh, you know, a confusing array of patents. I mean, it's difficult to think of who isn't suing someone else and, and great chunks of patents are being moved around. For example, Motorola's going to Google and um, people try to uh, uh, remind me who bought Nortel's patents recently. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm just trying to remember myself. <laughs> uh, you're supposed to it, know it, stuff. It went, went to a, a consortium of companies uh, which included the likes of, I think I'm right in saying Microsoft, Apple, oh, yeah, yeah. and a couple of the big handset manufacturers. But I mean, those are huge, huge portfolios of patents moving around. And that just means that there's going to be more opportunities for these companies to sue each other. And is the end consumer actually any better off? Because Originally, I thought, you know, the idea of patents was to protect these new innovative ideas so that companies would bring um, would bring their research in the form of products to the market and they could be assured that somebody else wouldn't take it apart and sell their idea without having to cut invest the money it. in creating yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, cut and paste it. But genuinely well, that, that, now, to, be, to be fair here, uh, for most of the Android handsets appear to be... Uh, it, let me make a sweeping judgment here, or a sweeping viewpoint. <laughs> that is your role here, isn't it, really? <laughs> well, they appear to be copies, right? And Apple did have a little bit of a point, I think, with Samsung um, and the Samsung tab. Do you remember the the, the comparisons? Um, yeah, I know that there was some dodgy stuff going on there, but yeah, you know, th this whole, the, the way that the icons were laid out, um, uh, the way that Apple did it, all of a sudden everyone else is copying that and making it look precisely the same. Even the the same color, you know, for messaging is green, um, you know, uh, uh, and the internet is blue, and all these. That really annoys me. Where is the innovation? Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate that is copying, or at least it sounds to me like copying. But is it patent infringement? Because the point is that having a having an icon uh, green for messaging, it's not. Um, it's not. It shouldn't really be protected to associate the colour green with SMS. I mean, that was probably done with feature phones and phones going way, way back. And so, you can either argue that Samsung are being lazy because they're not coming up with their own colour scheme, or you could argue they're being savvy by trying to steal customers but give them a thing they're familiar with. But the point is that um, they're not doing harm to. Uh, Apple's business by having icons that are the same color, what they would be doing is harm to Apple's business if they if if they managed to steal, I don't know, some screen technology that meant that they could use Retina displays in the right. same way that Apple does, or battery technology, or they could they stole Apple's iMessage code and integrated it in their in their in their products. I mean, simply colors and designs. I mean, these are. Um, a lot of it is wholesale, though. I mean, they, a lot of these guys, it appears to me, they, they saw the iPhone and thought, right, we need to make it look like that. But we should probably be clear that uh, some of those copying issues would actually be covered under copyright law, and that's, I think, the way they should be going after it. And I, I don't think it's acceptable to 
blatantly copy as I think in some cases Samsung has. I think you can defend it in some ways and I'd say that Apple are far from squeaky cleanliness. I mean they did certainly tidy up the idea of the UI but uh, some of the things that they're painting and we've already mentioned swipe to unlock but sort of the grid of icons, the idea of folds and some of the other patents that have gone on certainly they copied from other people. They did present it in a much neater way. And I think you can make a similar argument about Android. I mean, going back to what you said about everything looking the same, there's been very little innovation in the fundamental design language in mobile in recent years. And the move to touchscreens has made that worse because all the devices look the same in hardware design terms. You know, it's the black plastic slab joke, but yeah. it, it's a reality. Um, I I think we do need to be careful when we're sort of just tarring everything with the same brush because there are some areas where patents have been incredibly valuable the reason that we can all talk on the same networks you know gsm 3g lt and so on and a lot of the the standards within mobile phones and you know that's right down to audio and video stuff um, usbs charging etc etc sensors and all of that have uh, come out as a result of the patent system so if we think of sensors and phones um, that was an innovation that took a lot of money to develop and got painted and the reason it got to that was it was patentable and all the radio technology that comes under what's referred to as fran licensing uh, fair reasonable and non-discriminatory which is why everyone can use it and we all benefit from the network effects that that creates but so i'm just saying be careful before we say everything is copying because copying is not always bad uh copying can be good uh if you're doing it in the right way in the sense that you license some things and I think that's the key point, isn't it? That to me, it feels like um, patenting and copyright are being confused because the issues of copyright are would if if Samsung infringes Apple's copyright by by copying um, the logos and the styling and those sorts of things, and it, you know maybe has in in some cases, then uh, fair enough. But you don't resolve copyright infringements by licensing. In, in the same way as patents do and create these huge, you know, sort of transactions that seem to flow around the but, business. You know, remember that patenting is a lot more exciting. It is, but also I think it's, it also diminishes the value of patents because as Rafe says, there's loads of areas where patents are absolutely yeah. essential, but by, by, by patenting stuff that is effectively the very basic look and feel of software, um, it actually... It, it puts the whole patent system at risk because it it bogs it down and 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 I, I think it, it really risks innovation because if you're coming into this market, never mind innovation from the likes of Apple and Samsung and HTC and people like that who have huge banks of patents and huge amounts of money to invest and legal teams to defend. But if you're a new business now coming into the market, it, it would be very difficult to do something around touch screens around messaging you know all of these areas because they're just such a minefield of patents and things i think incorrectly things are being patented far too easily but but just before we go on rafe let's just come back to friend because it, it's a relatively new concept to me and, and and i just think it might be worth explaining what it is and and the sorts of things that are licensed under friend mm. yeah so yes this is the idea that you have a concept a, a patentable thing that um, everybody has a use for. And the best example of this is the way uh, GSM networks work. You know, that's essential. Without that, a phone can't be a phone. And so the companies that develop that agree to licensing under FRAND conditions, and it's fair. It's 
reasonable and it's non-discriminatory, which means everyone has the right to license it under the same terms. And that's agreed. And so for something as complex as phone networks, actually there are a number of defined essential patents uh, and those have to be licensed if you're going to create something that works on the standard mobile phone network. And everyone who has a patent related to those will get paid in proportion uh, to the sort of percentage of the amount of work they've done. And that's all done through standards bodies. And that's why we have you know, the standards that do exist that allow mobile phones to work as they do. The issue has been extending that FRAND idea of um, the licensing to other areas because... Obviously, for something like the, you know, the cellular network, the way the radios work, it's kind of obvious how it works. But how do you do that for software? You know, can you uh, friend something that is uh, a more nebulous concept? And it kind of comes back to what we were saying earlier. And in a very broad brush sense, it's kind of the difference between technical design, which is where patents come from, and a creative work, which is where copyright comes from. Right. So, and, well, this gets very, diffi diffi oh, very difficult when Apple are actually deliberately simplifying things. You know, that, that's part of the deal with Apple is that they have, they have, they're removing all the nonsense and they're making it elegant and Yes, simple. Uh, uh, and especially on the design side of things, um, it becomes quite complex to separate those two. And that's that's a more general pattern as well. You know, things like the material science or a new way to make something fine you know you can easily uh, quantify that from the design or the creative side that becomes more difficult uh and it, it is made more complex by the fact that we had a mobile industry which was dominated by big players i mean it's the likes of nokia ericsson nortel was referred to earlier motorola which is why it was a valuable target for google all had enormous amounts of um, investment and we were talking billions and billions of investment that created kind of the standards on which mobile runs today. And it's not just the radios, it's all the stuff that underlies it. There's literally hundreds of standards which are essential to make your mobile phone work. And then Apple comes along as a new entrant and Google comes along as a new entrant. And the traditional telcos would tell you that they're, you know, trying to get a free ride. Um, and that's why, you know, people started suing Apple because, you know, and they were making massive profit margins as well. And the same thing is really happening to Google. And, you know, we've got the Oracle patent battle with, with regard to Java, but also Microsoft going after Android licensees. And it's, you know, this idea that they shouldn't get a free ride on the innovation that's gone before. And, uh, you know, looking at it from a, a purely um, outside viewpoint, you sort of go, yeah, if someone's put a lot of money in, they deserve to be rewarded for that. Someone can't come along and just use it. But, of course, it's not quite that simple. And uh, I think it becomes more complicated as more players come in, particularly when they don't have even table stakes. And the reason Fran worked so well before was everybody had a certain portfolio. You know, and it tended to be fairly proportional to their side in the industry. So Nokia had one of the biggest. Mm. Uh, Motorola was big as well, and Ericsson was big. But Ericsson and Motorola really faded away, and so they were left with disproportionately large portfolios. And Google and Apple and new... Uh, manufacturers emerging out in Asia, to a certain extent HTC, but I'm thinking more of some of the smaller ones, don't have those. And suddenly they're going, why should we be paying money to the old guys to be part of this industry? Because we're the ones doing all the new stuff. Now, whether you agree with it or not, that's where the conflict comes from. I think that this puts patents into two buckets, though, isn't it? Because there's the the genuinely technically complex stuff, like these essential patents, where you know my iPhone must 
use these standards in order to connect to uh, a wireless network and it must you know in order to make a phone call and pass data and in that case it seems to me fairly obvious that apple should need to pay the people who created those standards and invested in them some money because they've done all the work and like you say a free ride but when we move into the the pure software side about patenting the way messages are passed around or patenting the way that user interfaces behave these aren't essential patents they don't you know they they're not uh, they don't need to be used by everyone but also um i'm not sure that they are uh even worth protecting because you might do a lot of research and development into seeing which is the nicest which is the most pleasant uh, way of doing something but if you decide that the most pleasant way is to put black writing on a white background with a big yes button at the bottom and that that is your design and, and users love it that's fine and again you can copyright it but that's not a patent you know taking all of these pre-existing elements and just arranging them in you know kind of that at the top and that thing at the bottom that's not patentable and the risk is that I mean, you think about like um, what, the, what are the messaging startups that are, things like WhatsApp and mm. um, Kick and even some of the sort of web-based instant messaging platforms. As soon as they move into the mobile arena, they get yeah. slapped with all kinds of challenges and patent disputes over things that, in some cases, not in all cases, but in some cases, are purely just around the way that things are presented to the end user, which mm. is almost now just kind of common practice. You know, it's no longer a unique design it's just a common it's a, it's a common language that users understand and i don't fathom i don't know if it's actually giving people any value anymore because i think you're right well, well, well that's, take, that's, take that's these part. tablets that have come off the shelves are um where where uh, where apple has had samsung tablets taken off the shelves in uh germany and, and at least some other some other places are samsung genuinely damaging apple's business or vice versa, you know, from the fact that they look too similar. Yeah, and, and I agree, but putting the counter-argument to that, you say, when does an innovation become a standard? And something like messaging is actually quite a good example. You know, SMS had an unintended consequence, really. It was intended as something to be used by network engineers and expanded massively. And if you're doing something smart with the way messaging is routing, and to think of an example of this, you could say a unique way of compressing the data or ensuring it arrives in the destination in the right way, particularly as maybe we move into an area where people have multiple devices, um, and this might time with something like IMS, if you can do some smart routing and that kind of thing, that probably is patentable because it's quite valuable and it's innovative. Um, I, I do agree with you on the visual side of things. It, it, it becomes very difficult to my mind when you're just doing that kind of thing, why it can't just be correct, co uh, you know, protected under copyright law. But I, if I, I think if I a lot to of the, uh, you know, so maybe differentiate between enabling factors and uh, purely visual design. But if I want to wind you up, though, right? If I want to annoy you, I'll start suing you and I'll just waste the money. You know, I, um, th th that is a business strategy that companies adopt. You know, I will just annoy you. I'll get your, um, take my law firm and say, look, just take a hundred million and just wind them up, right? Do that, your that's best. Right. That, that's right. I mean, it's quite clear that patents are being used as a business strategy. You know, patent trolls are the sort of worst example of that. But perfectly reputable companies are doing it partly because everyone else is doing it. Um, it, it, it means and we don't. You, you, you make the competition take their eye off the ball. Yes, uh, and we probably don't want to get into that in detail. Mm. I mean, the thing I would say there is there's an argument to be made that... Uh, 
it would be helpful if there were organisations and it's the same as standards, bodies effective, and it's what's happened with the web, because all of that was in theoretically patentable, um, I'm very glad it wasn't. Um, we've seen the problems where you do get patentable bits like GIFs, for example, as the image format. Um, maybe we need bodies whereby you can sort of buy all the patents and licenses you need off the shelf from a couple of companies, rather than having to go around negotiating with everybody, because that way you kind of get around this needing to talk to everybody and moving away from the kind of the it's almost the mutually assured destruction thing in the patent world um, and there are some companies that kind of try to bundle up patents and you know save you time and effort by doing it in one one go because part of the problem is frankly for these companies the idea of licensing patents isn't really a core business activity and it, it does leave me uncomfortable when it becomes part of business strategy but you know the idea that you know companies will behave in a way that is you know non-destructive it's kind of prisoner's dilemma on a large scale it, you know, obviously it doesn't work like that so it's probably where you'd need some kind of regulatory framework and change um, from government rather than anything else don't you think though that the bar for what could be patented should be set higher that yes. it should be uh, only the yeah. the most challenging complex things that should be patented because i if if it was more difficult to patent something then these simple things that could be arrived at by lots of different people independently because let's face it the you know the big players may be looking to short circuit you know years and years of, of research but small players who come into the market like uh like these instant messaging startups they're they're not out actively you know stealing ideas and a lot of, in a lot of cases they have created these apps and the techniques they're using from the ground up um not because they are um, trying to infringe because they're just because they've got no idea they're infringing on someone's patents they've just solved a common problem in the most easy and efficient way and if you know a bunch of engineers can sit down and solve your problem and bring it to the market you know as a start as a small funded startup then surely your idea wasn't actually complex enough in the first place to protect you know if you can protect something that has very little effort to recreate then surely by definition that's not a patentable idea and in the end you're just harming consumers because whatever happens here it just means that you as, as you and i think we're saying you don't get to come to the table unless you've got you know millions and millions of pounds I, I i agree it should be harder to to patent things the only defense to that is you know it's the monkeys and typewriter thing if you f throw enough engineers at the problem you'll probably be able to come up with the same basic thing because we you know we're all standing on the shoulders of someone else when you're doing that kind of research uh, but i think that kind of ties in with the idea that some things are getting patented which quite clearly shouldn't be and that's because the people granting the patents don't always have the expertise or the knowledge to say no that isn't something that should be patented yeah that's uh, you problem. know because at, at the moment kind of the default option is yes you get a patent unless there's you know evidence to the, to the contrary and it also ties in with the idea that it's he who files the patent first get gets the patent which i think can be problematic in software if someone can demonstrate that they came up with the idea independently first of all but didn't patent it i'm not saying they should suddenly get all the revenues from that patent but they should perhaps be granted a a, a free license if you will i mean again i don't want to get into the details because it's not an area where i'm an expert but, you know, a lot of the problem is patents that be granted just because, you know, the mobile industry is moving so fast, typically mm. with technology, it's difficult to understand. And so expecting a, a patent clerk to sort of go, yes, that's fine. No, that's fine. If we don't understand it as people who are 
actively interested in the mobile industry, it must be even more of a nightmare for them who are you know, dealing with thousands, millions of patent applications. I mean, we all know the patent system in most countries is several years behind what's being filed. It's, it's, not, a, it's not anyone's fault as such, but it does speak to the fact there's probably an issue with the system itself. Okay, so we've talked now for quite a while about how terrible it is and how confusing it is. If you could change one thing, what would it be? Would you scrap the patent system altogether? You know, what would you do to make it better? Or would you leave it that, uh, on the basis that actually what we've got mm. is flawed, but it's, you know, at least there's something in place? Uh, Ewan? Well, I, I think I, I'd, I'd require a little bit of a rewrite somehow. I, I, I like this idea of, you know, it needs to be worthy. Uh, it, it seems to have got rather easy to do these things. Um, I, I think it's important that companies are forced to innovate. Some, is, is that wrong? Should I not be saying forced? I, I, think, I think basically when a patent gets applied, you should, they should take it and they should give it to Rafe Blanford. And if Rafe Blanford can solve the problem that the patent claims to solve in less than three months with a bucket of chocolate and a bucket of Coke, then uh, <laughs> Coca-Cola, I mean, yes, then yes. it's not a patent. Uh, and, and, you know, you could find two or three other kind of, you know, gurus slash, you know, big brains to solve the problem as well. Um, you know, you should tweet it out. You know, there's a uh, like a, a, a some kind of um, bounty, You're like £50,000 if you can solve this problem in three months. And then all the world's geeks would go at it. And if they could solve it in some short amount of time, then it's not patentable. And if they can, then sorry, Mr. Google or Mr. Apple or Mr. Nortel wind your neck in, you're just trying to patent common sense. But the, the problem here is if, if it's you and me um, working really hard for five years and we've only spent £50,000 on it uh, and we haven't eaten, you know, and uh, we've gone bankrupt trying to make this and we finally got it and we finally try and get it filed and then, you know, a big billion dollar company comes in and then and says, no, we've done that before. Yeah, this this is the problem with patents, right? You know, because it does help the little guy as well. Well, but just because, just because, uh, well, it does help the little guy because they can protect things that they've genuinely innovated on. But yes, because because our argument here was basically, if you spent a billion dollars on it, you can have a patent. Absolutely, but more important, it's well, not if you've spent a billion dollars, but if it is hard to solve. So if you are the world's biggest brain on cryptography, for example. And in, you know, the six months that you've got investment money for, you've created some whizzy new encryption and no one else can create that in the time available. Then fine. It's worthy of a patent. But <laughs> how do you know? I see. I, I know what you mean. I'm just looking at the practicalities. I, I, th I think it's really I think it's really hard. I was being flippant yeah. about Rafe Blanford. It would be, re be Rafe Blanford and some hired help. But, you know, <laughs> um, but but by the same token, it shouldn't be a case that. Um, Google employs a, a thousand monkeys who patent putting buttons at the top, buttons at the bottom, a button that turns touch sensitivity on or changes the color or, um, you know, just basically loads and loads of iterations of kind of concepts that sort of seem relevant. And... I mean, has, has someone patented a, like a, a Wi-Fi, a virtual Wi-Fi button? I bet someone's patented that, you know, that on a touch screen, you can press a button that will switch the Wi-Fi on and off. Yeah, because I, I think just that the raising the bar would help everyone because it would yeah. it could help the small players just as much because their research and development would be just as protected um, because often you know um, startups are founded on like some academic research or something so they do genuinely have solved some new problem but also if well, right. 
like, yeah, hang on a second. Like, like this swipe to swipe to unlock problem. Let's say that that wasn't a patent because it's just too simple to patent, and right. it's, it's maybe you know it, it's kind of the color and things are a copyright issue. But the general idea of using a switch to unlock a phone, whether it's a virtual one or a physical one, isn't patentable. Well, that's not a disaster because everybody can do what they do now, which is just use the idea in whichever way suits them, and then. All that happens is some lawyers go hungry because we don't spend a million dollars suing each other and the same handsets end up on the shelves and the products are still the same because it's not you know intrinsic to the way the product works. It's just you know a minor software feature I do, I tell you what, of how I, some I, element works. I like what you're saying, but I do like the idea that these handset, operator, uh, handset manufacturers are, are forced to do something different. And even with a patent of a little swipe switch, we've got everyone and the dog bringing out the only way you can switch on your sonning phone. Are we allowed to say that? Yeah, you are. Right, the only way you can switch on your sonning phone is by swiping. Why? Uh, but, but patents shouldn't be the only way, the only reason that companies innovate, though. That when, when I go into a phone shop and every phone, Android, iPhone, even the touch Blackberries all look the same and look inspiring... The thing that will inspire those manufacturers to innovate will be the fact that I won't buy a new phone. I'll just keep my old one or I won't be interested or I won't say, hey, I love my iPhone because it's really unique anymore. Um, this idea that everything has to be driven by patents, that the, the only way that I'm going to protect my idea and um, you know keep my, my device uh, unique is by, is by legally protecting it, you know, is ridiculous because actually, as Apple's shown, the thing that sometimes the things that make the devices most appealing are actually simple, you know, kind of layout presentation issues, which, as Rafe said earlier, probably are far closer to copyright issues than they are patents. Anyway, yeah. so we ought to let Blanford have the final word on this. Well, on. well, I was going to say, I mean, thank you for the idea that I could have a really interesting job uh, paid <laughs> on by Coke. That's uh, that's great. Um, and chocolate. Uh, and chocolate, which is great. I, I think I'd rather go for the chocolate personally. But you can have both. It, it, I'm not going to make you choose. If I'm going to be flippant, the, the solution is to make everyone behave like gentlemen <laughs> and uh, gentlemen don't steal from each other. Uh, and I, I'm half serious when I say this. In the, the problem comes when companies try and be not behave in a dodgy manner. And I think the way you get around that is maybe with some kind of uh, regulation. I'm not enough of an expert to necessarily go ahead and define this. Um, but I do think, you know, yes, we need to raise the bar on how easy it is to patent things and recognise that there are different classes of patents or, as Ben was suggesting, the other copyright issue. So for me, yes, there needs to be change. And yes, people need to behave in a better manner. But we do need to remember that ultimately patent was about promoting innovation and it was a, you know, the resultant public disclosure that went with that and overall economic benefit and clearly the the systems moved away from that and so companies using it as purely as a strategic shield should be punished uh, and the idea of promoting innovation should should go back again and that you know need to protect both the big guys but also the little guy who's working in his back shed and you know i might say that that's about app developers you know encourage app developers to be able to do something new and innovative and get the protection if they deserve it to stop the big guys coming in and copying because at the moment you know we've all seen examples of applications that someone's developed and one of the big guys has come in and effectively taken it but they've got no recourse because of the cost of defending patents or applying for them in the first place in some cases Right. So, for me, yes, make people behave like gentlemen through regulation, 
and secondly, modify the system to recognise that there are almost different classes of patents. And it's kind of, that's for me, is the answer to the, the software debate itself. Um, and I can't get into the details because I'm, I, I don't feel I'm enough of an expert. But, you know, it's, it's litmus tests and you're never going to design it perfectly. And it's something that will need to be constantly monitored um, because the idea that we've had a patent system that's remained effectively unchanged for 300 plus years is, is quite honestly ridiculous. And particularly in industries that move quickly, you need to have a, a patent system that's more flexible and open to change. So that would be my my medicine for the industry i think that's probably a good point to leave it isn't it because that point about the the value of patents but the fact that the the most valuable and important thing we could do now would be to invest some energy into bringing the patent system up to the quality that you know and the complexity that works with software and advanced it systems and moves at the speed it needs to move at as well mm -hmm. so that it was accessible by everyone as ever, um, I'd, I'd be really interested to hear some comments. We, we invited, uh, sort of, uh, last few episodes, we invited people to, to make any comments. And actually, I was surprised how, how few there were because I thought this was a really hot topic. But I think also maybe people are put off talking about patents just because of some of the things we've touched on in terms of they're so legal and dry and boring. But right now, they're taking products on and off shelves. They're t putting potentially putting people out of business or shaping the design labs of you know some of the big manufacturers so i think it's having a real impact on what people are actually going to end up using so it's definitely a topic worth uh, worth tracking as ever thank you very much for your time gentlemen well thank you and thank you ben uh we are going well it's mobile world congress next week uh, so we are going off the air just in time for a whole load of breaking news. So obviously I will be fastidiously reading all about Windows Phone and Mobile Industry <laughs> Review, the, the mobile industry's favourite red top. Are you in? <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. Uh, for, for news direct from Barcelona, and I will be cutting and pasting that into my own site as fast <laughs> as my fingers will allow me and subject to all patent and copyright restrictions. Um, and we will be back with uh, 361 Degrees Season 3 very, very soon. Come on. Some. Wow, we've got some live events planned. Um, mm. So you, if you, especially if you're in the UK and in and around London, uh, keep your eyes out on the on Twitter and uh, on the 361 degrees site for that, because we will be putting up news of that as soon as we as soon as it comes along. And you'd be welcome to come along to one of our live events. And uh, we'll be back with all of the exciting news probably in a few weeks. Just the other side of Mobile World Congress, when we can recap all of the exciting news that will have inevitably happened. Oh, yeah. So th thanks as ever for listening. If you liked what you heard, leave a comment below where you heard it. If you didn't please go somewhere else uh thank you very much bye bye